Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. As we step into the Word today, I, uh, I want to share a word that's kind of close to my heart, so I'm like processing it through a little bit. So would you pray with me? Would you ask God just to speak to you in the way that you need and meet you right there, because I believe he wants to on this 4th of July weekend. Hey, Lord, we, we need to just hear from you. And uh, so we just invite you to talk to, talk to us. And God, you, you use me. And uh, Lord, your word is alive, and I pray for the confidence to rest in that, rest in your presence that goes before us. God, thank you. And now speak to us, speak to your people in Jesus' name. So one of my favorite stories is in 1 Kings 18. And in 1 Kings 18, many of you guys know this story, but there's a guy named Elijah, and he's like one prophet in this land, the only prophet left. And the, the nation of Israel has built altars to this God called Baal and they're worshiping and he decides he's gonna call them out and basically does this contest. Many of you know this story and the prophets of Baal step up and they start calling on Baal to call down fire. No fire comes. And I love this about Elijah because I got a little bit of hot streak in me too. And he's like kind of making fun of him. He's like, hey man, maybe he's like sleeping or like vacationing. Like, hey, y'all, y'all just take your time, Baal. You know what I mean? When his time comes, though, there's a verse that, that hit me a little bit. And in this verse, it says in verse 30 of chapter 18, and I'm not going to stay here. This is my start, so we don't got to turn there. But it says, then Elijah, after all this happened, time is done. Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down, repaired. This inferred that there came a time when the altars of the Lord were torn down and they said, we will build different altars according to the ones that we have affection for that match our desires of what we want for our life. So Elijah repairs what had been torn down. And I've heard a lot of people preach this and they'll say, you know, what altar have you built up in your life that needs torn down? And they go into that mode of like, what should you do now? And how should you change the way that you live? And I think to some respect that, that that's okay. But here's according to the new covenant and here's the faith that we're invited into, and I would invite us not to build up any other altar that, that isn't the one that was built uh, by our King of heaven. And the altar that he decided to 
uh, allow himself to be placed on was a cross. And the altar that we're invited to worship at is the one that he made for us. And the great sacrifice is not what you and I could ever do to earn favor with him. It's about the sacrifice of the king of heaven, who is now our great high priest that we talked about before. And he has made a way for all of us to enter in because he became the perfect sacrifice for you and I to have perfect life. This is the altar that we're invited to continue to receive over our life. This is the continual sacrifice we're invited to have over our life. And this sacrifice of the person of God, Jesus the Christ, will give us life and life abundant. But God's call, that call even, y'all, sometimes doesn't feel right. It feels like that isn't right. He did it all. My faith, I can't, like, it's not about what I do. Like, guys, my task-centered mind struggles with that. (laughs) My achiever mindset struggles with that. That Jesus the Christ is worthy of all of our praise because he achieved 100% of it. This is the wonderful news of the gospel. It doesn't always feel right, but as we grab hold of that and never let it go, that truth leads us to the abundant life. Now, I'm gonna keep going. What do you call someone who has a negative balance on their balance books? What do you call that person in accounting terms? Do what? A debtor. A debtor. I'm in the red. What did y'all say? What'd you call it? Bankrupt. Maybe, but not quite. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're not quite bankrupt yet. They're just in the red a little bit. We'll call, I'll, call, I'll call them a debtor. But check this out. What Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, for those of us who are no longer debtors, He calls people something different when they've come into this acceptance of what Jesus did for us. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, therefore, listen to this. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Like it's here. If you're in Christ, you're brand new. I don't feel brand new. Grab hold of that truth. You are brand new. The old has gone. The new is here. Yo, it's here. Old's gone. It's out of here. This is our faith, y'all. Does anybody still feel old? You're not. In Christ, you're not. Would you you like to erect that altar again? It feels so much more right. Let it be torn down. And according to the truth that he says, you are brand new. All this is from God. Listen to this, though. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of, what is that word? Reconciliation. Countenance. What does reconciled mean? Balance. Balance. Balance from what? A debt. Do you know who you are? 
Do you feel like you are in debt today? Why? I guarantee you it's because our belief is rooted in something that isn't what that verse is talking about. I guarantee it. Because here's what he invites all of us into. You are not a debtor. You are brand new in Christ. And if you are brand new in Christ, do you know your call in your life to help people get out of debt? That's a cool way to think about life. When you find somebody, when you meet somebody that's feeling low, feeling down. Now, here's my question that I want to answer. What do we do about that and how do we function? That's a challenging question. And I want to tell you this, y'all. A couple weeks ago, we went through 1 John. And we talked about the reality that every single one of us in here has sin in our life that maybe we don't know about yet. Every single one of us. And when I started doing this job, I want to tell y'all the 100% truth why I'm so passionate about the gospel because I don't think I really understood it And I still think I'm grasping new areas of the gospel every day, every year I do this. But y'all, when I I started into this job, I got around people who did this professionally and I just couldn't understand. But it felt like there was nothing wrong in their life, like nothing. And I was the only one that had stuff in my life. I just had it. What do you do around people that you think are perfect but you know you're not. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, yo, if they only knew me, <laughs> like if you only knew what happened in this mind, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we chuckle because it's true. Like I'm just not enough for this. What do we do when we start doing life with each other and you start seeing that I'm not enough, but I'm start seeing that you're not enough. Hey, i.e. life group, anybody? Anybody getting to know everybody enough? I see you, but you see me. What do we do about that? So I started walking with some older pastors. And to be frank with you, a lot of people who've been in ministry a long time now are reading books like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Anybody ever read the book? Great book, great book. Reading a lot of these books, and now a lot of them are deciding to go get counselors. I think that's really wonderful and healthy, the counselor. But I started processing this out, y'all, and I started saying, like, what does this mean that everybody's feeling like they need a counselor? Like, what, what is this that's driving us to go, I need a counselor? And what a counselor does, like, they literally sit there, and a counselor is trained not to tell you answers, but to help you self-discover, you know? So I'm like, what are we doing when we're sitting at the counselor's seat? Many of y'all go to counseling. I think it's awesome. I think we should. It's wonderful. I think the scripture actually encourages us to do it. But I started thinking about a verse that we read the other day. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Romans 12, 15. Weep with those who weep. I can't weep with you unless I know what you're going through. I can't rejoice with you unless I know what you're going through. And I've done this enough 
to know that I can't talk about things that are hard or hurtful, and I don't know why, to be honest with you. I don't know why. Why can we not talk about it? Like if I know that my bank account needed reconciling, why can't I talk about it? And if I know who reconciled me, and it's not just according to my work and my behavior, and in fact, like, I wouldn't have gone that way had it not been for Jesus and his work on the cross. I wouldn't have gone that way had I not experienced love. So the one to blame and thank is Jesus himself. But I don't have anything in the fight to put my name up to make it mean anything outside of Jesus. Y'all, I don't, I don't have anything. And I just want to invite, like last week we talked about, I stepped up and I really know the Spirit of God was just really put something on my heart, I believe, that there was like a blah. It was just like, I feel blah. And, and, and I, I know it's so challenging to move, you know, in front of people. But I want this, I, I, I want to lead the way, and I'm processing a little bit to you guys. I want to lead the way in vulnerability because, guys, the body of Christ has to be the safest place for authenticity and honesty. Because we all come in here with an honest perspective that every single one of us is a sinner saved by grace. Our account was reconciled, not because of our behavior, but in spite of our behavior. Our account was reconciled because of God's behavior. This is our faith. And 1 John says, if you say you don't still have sinful places in your heart, you're deceived. I want to be the first to say, y'all, I, I saw some stuff this week, man. I saw some stuff in my life. And it's got to be the safest place in the world to do that. It's safe. And I, I just want to be full right. Y'all, if you go through anything, you can tell me anything. And I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to quit on you. I think that's what everybody wants to hear. You to tell the full story of your life and that person will look at you square in the eyes and say, I won't quit on you. I know everything and I won't stop. I love you so much. I'm in it to the end. Isn't that what God does for us? You tell him everything. And in fact, you probably don't tell him everything. He sees everything. And yet he goes, I still love you. I'm with you. I'm not leaving you behind. I'm not giving up on you. So y'all, now, what is the encouragement that I want to come to? What does this look like? And I want to look at one verse really quickly. And then I'm going to ask Jen and Ryan to come up here and help us into the experience of what they've experienced according to this word. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That word bear, bear is to come under weight, is to feel weight. This verse actually follows a passage that talks about sin in the church. Sin is weighty. When I walk into sin, it creates weight in my life and everyone around me. 
Now, when I say I recognize sin in my life, that doesn't give us right to stay there. We want to help carry each other, if need be, out of and into a brand new experience. I'm not asking us to stay in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But as it gets revealed, as I bring it up and I bring it out, you're coming into my life and I'm coming into yours and we're bearing with one another to walk a different direction. This is the beauty of the invitation of our life. Bear with one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. The first thing I want us to know today is in order to bear one another's burdens, we have to share one another's burdens. And I already hit on this point, but that's why life group is so important. I will never know what burden you carry if you do not bring it to my attention to know. And we have to be the safest people in each other's lives to hear it from one to another. Look at you in the face and say, I know it's your mess, but I'm about to step into it with you. And we're not gonna stay there. We're gonna move into a really different abundant place. Are you ready? Let's go. But I can never bear with you and we can't bear with each other if we don't share with each other. This has to be the safest place to share. The second thing, in order to bear one another's burdens, this infers that we have to share one another's burdens. Now, it's a different kind of share, but when I talk about share, when we bear with one another, this infers this idea, guys. You have burden, but here's what you need to understand. So do I. You're not the only one with burdens in the room. And sometimes we feel that everyone should bear with me, but we don't have to bear with anybody else. This passage infers that this is a give and take. It's a move together. When, when you're in need, I'm stepping into your mess, but you better believe one day I'm gonna be in need. And here's the deal. If people in your life uh, look like they have never, they don't have any burdens, they are lying. They're lying. They're lying. And if you have not shared burdens in your heart, go to the word. This word calls us all into this experience together to bring the burden to each other that we not bear it alone. Do you know why I believe that many people need counseling today is because we never let anyone mourn with us. We mourn alone and we do it so long that our heart gets sick. We get anxious, worried, and we're afraid of what could happen. I know, and I'm speaking a little bit from my own personal experience, which might not be a, a good uh, level of understanding, but here's what happened in my life. I got so hurt and wounded in a church setting that I shut my mouth and I don't want to talk to anybody because I was afraid of what might happen and I was always looking my back. Who's about to hurt me? So I got quieter and quieter. And you know what happened on my inside? I got darker and darker and sadder and sadder, madder and madder, bitter and bitter. And before you knew it, I was looking out and been like, you're, you're, tr you're trying to screw me over. Cynical and angry, man. And it took me going to counselor. I sought out a prayer counselor, though. 
And I went and sat before three men, and I just talked. And do you know what they didn't let me do? Just talk. They walked me into something of forgiveness. And I moved by faith into forgiveness. And I brought what was in here through prayer. I brought it here, and I confessed it out loud And I had never done that in my entire life. Do you know what I experienced? I told my life group, it felt literally like I almost threw up. It was so painful and it was so deep in my stomach, I felt like I was about to throw up when I talked about it. This word helps us into a healthy rhythm of how to walk with one another in honesty knowing that I've got burden and so do you. And guess what? That's okay. Let's not stay here any longer. Let's be the most honest and light and vulnerable people because you know I'm a broken mess apart from Jesus. And guess what? I know you are too. I know it. It's okay. And if you got healed, do you know what healed you? The word of God or the love of God, that's all that healed you. So we know who to praise. I'm not impressed. Don't be impressed with me either. Does anybody feel better? I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what what could also happen, y'all. You can come to me anytime and say, man, I see this in your life. I'm happy to hear it. I'm I'm happy. And if I'm not, go get my team and tell them Jay's ill and he's lost his mind and we all need to talk to him. I'm dead serious. I need that. But it's far too long. We've got, we've got guys leading churches and we're not confessing to anybody and we're ill in the heart and we don't let anyone close enough to know us because guess what? Here's what I've heard. If they know, you won't be able to lead them. And I say, if that was word, I could receive it. And I might be a foolish man, but I'd rather be foolish according to the word, man. I want to be foolishly faithful. I want to go all in. And I can no longer lean on our own understanding and build up altars that we appreciate that are not the altar that we were invited to build. We can no longer build those altars. Guys, have affection for Jesus and set him up because that's who he is. But men, if you see good in them, It's because Jesus produced it in them. Have an affection for Jesus. Applaud him. And if you come in here and you're like, man, Jay brought heat today. I guarantee you what my idea is. I copied the book, you know. I read it a lot. I said yes a lot. But I read that book to you. And if it was heat in your soul, recognize what what it was. Because it's right, you did feel heat. But I know the fire of God. I know him, and when he speaks, it's like fire in your bones. It's like energy, like an energizer battery. You walk out this place, you're like, I want to go get it, you know? But understand, like if you feel that, experience that, Jay has nothing to do with it. The fire of God has come upon this vessel, and it's now extended to you. It's the word of God, alive, alive. So if you feel alive, know who made you feel alive. It's the word of the living God, man. 
And he's on fire and he's alive and he loves you so much and he's got big plans for our life. I want to invite uh, now uh, Jen and Ryan and uh, as you guys, y'all can come up here. Before they share, as important as it is to bring out the broken pieces of our life and to reveal those to others, to confess, to bring things into light, here's how we help each other. The confession, the good confession of our faith is what helps to bring the balance back to the books Does that make sense? So if you bring to me your issue, I'm gonna come back into the truth of what God has given me and I'm gonna bring that from the storehouse of heaven to give to you to balance those things back out. I never bring my ideas or my best, I bring his. And that's what actually brings spiritual healing in our life. So to confess our problems is just as important as to confess the truth and the blessing of God. Guys, bring us in a little bit to your experience of this. Yeah, so we have been, I feel like, on a, on a journey over the past couple months of uh, something that came out of Ephesians 4, and it's this small part of it, and it says, give no opportunity to the enemy. And there's something so powerful about that because a couple verses before then, it just talks about the importance of that is because we're all one. So my gunk affects you and my gunk affects y'all, you know, because we're one in him. And, and so we went on this journey of becoming more aware and asking God to help us be uh, more, and I, I use the word unokay. I recognize like it's probably not okay, but like becoming unokay with like little sins, you know, or like little bouts of gossip or like little little bouts of something um, and unokay with that in, in my heart and in uh the lives around us. And so we just started on a journey and it started with us and then it's just kind of like trickled out from there. And so we just wanted to bring you in a little bit. God, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks uh, and brings things to Ryan's mind a lot in images. And so he's going he's gonna to kick it off with a, a sweet little image as we share some stories. Yeah, we've, we've had some good reps over the past few weeks of just having to work some of this stuff out, really dive in and find it and repent of it. But uh, it, the, the image that keeps coming to mind is, like, I, I hate weeding more than anything, like out in the garden. And our, like, little landscaping beds, if you can even call them that, there's like 98% weeds. Like, it's just straight weeds. But they're green. Yeah, they're green. Um, but, you know, like, it reminds me of like, you know, if, if, if we really want to make our house look good for people coming over, which at this point we're just like, whatever sometimes. But um, if we want to do that, you know, the temptation is to just take a, a weed eater and just zip the top, blow it off, and it looks good, right? Like, but everybody knows that in nine, ten days, all of those weeds are directly back. And that's what's, what's going on in our hearts is, is the, the sin on the surface, the things that we're actually doing is this stuff above the surface that looks nasty. It's, it's obvious, you know, and 
I think our tendency is a lot of times just to, just to pluck it, to make it look better for the moment. And it will for a moment. But all of this sin on the surface is actually being caused by these roots. And at the bottom of these roots are a belief. So it's a, it's a, a seeded belief that is deep in the soil. And if you're going to get rid of a belief, you actually have to dig painstakingly, sometimes through like rock-hard soil, and find every little bit of these roots. And then only then can you pull out the roots, and only then there's this, there's this empty space now. And it makes no sense to just leave this empty space because it just leaves room for other weeds to hey, this is a perfect home. Another weed was just here, happy to be in this spot. But if you pull that out, you you have to put it something back that's actually meant to be in that garden. And and in that mindset, it's, it's, it's God's truth. It's what he says. So uh, just to, I don't know, make this a little bit more practical. Um, so like two weeks ago, maybe, Jen bought like this, this like apple cutter and it like slices an apple into like 12 pieces and uh it's because the normal ones cut it into eight and when you have children they want it they want smaller slices all right so she buys this thing and and she's telling me about it and my this is after a long day of work and she brings it up and i'm and i just like i said this really snipey comment about her constantly buying like these little gadgets it's like an eight dollar apple slicer right so like um I don't care about this. I'm happy that it makes you happy. But in that moment, like, like, like I just, like, it came out of my mouth, and I was like, first off, this is not going to be good. We're about to fight. Second off, second off, there's something, there's something going on. Like, we need to figure this out. So we had a, we had a good conversation for a couple hours, and then uh, <laughs> later on, um, I was just like, man, I, I need to go start digging. So I just took my journal and I was just like, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to show me what that was about. Reveal not what I was thinking about an apple slicer, but what, are, what is below that? What is the roots? And golly, for like an hour and a half, he was just showing me like this deep, system in this root and he he revealed to me that I was having this scarce mindset I was not being generous because if if I'm working on this business or whatever to try to get out of my potential current job to go start something then we're going to be needing every dollar we've got so like we can't spend it on apple slicers and uh, but and but deeper than that was it's my job to to provide and it's like and deeper than that it's it's no I don't trust God to provide and deeper than that it's if this business doesn't work then I'm going to look like a failure and my wife is going to resent me and deeper than that it's why do I even care about this business working and succeeding because I want to spend more time being a minister of the gospel. And, and just right there, the Holy Spirit was like, 
um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I just, just in that moment, I just started just confessing all this stuff, just like, get it off, Lord, I don't want it. And, uh, and you know, I wrote this all on a page and I looked at it and just like reading this list, I was like almost laughing because it's like, in reality, I don't believe any of it, but subconsciously, all of my thoughts, all of my actions, everything was serving those beliefs. And uh, he just said, you know, Ryan, what do you think about this? What is this? And he's like, well, it's, this is another master. And he says, you know, you have two masters and you can only serve one and you'll hate the other. So what are you going to do about it? And I just, uh, I just repented of, of having this other master and um, just felt literally like 10,000 pounds. Just gone. And uh, we've got to process that and, and talk through it. But it was just like the process of digging into this and finding it and, and actually replacing the lies that we believe of these things in our lives, whether it's relationships or people or things we're believing that is unreconciled have to be dealt with or they just get stronger and just, even if you don't believe them on the surface, you will subconsciously serve them with every thought and every action of your life. Yeah, so Ryan has like led us in that. I uh, He's um, much more aware of things like that, so he's led that sweetly in, in our marriage a lot. And, and from that, there's been an opportunity last week in, in our life group, right? So that happens, you know, with Ryan personally, and then it happens with us. But then last week, I met with some of the girls, some of the leaders in my life group. And uh, you, I heard this, this one, like, you know, like offhanded comment that's like, oh, that's a little, oh, what? Let's pause. And, uh, and I asked the, the girl who said that, and I was like, tell, tell me more about that. And uh, in that, she revealed uh, that she was like, I don't really know why I feel this way, but I feel this way about this girl. And I was like, oh, okay, man, let's, let's press in there. And, uh, and we practiced asking God to search our heart, right? That's what he says in the word. He's the creator of our heart. He's the author and the maker, and he searches it, and he teaches us about it. And so I have nothing to offer this sweet girl who is sitting on my couch, but God has a lot to say to her. And, uh, and so we prayed together, and uh, we're sitting here in a group of four, and we pray, and we ask God to search our heart. And, and this girl, she starts saying the, the things that God's bringing to mind is that, um, that there's some jealousy that there's some, like, she walks into a room and she feels like she has to compete with this person, right? All these things that are lies, but they start, to, they start to influence the way that you act, the way that you care for one another, the way that you see one another, right? And that matters because that's our life group, right? So then you have this entering into our life group, not in a shame way. We all have those things. I just want to speak to the importance of they're just not welcome, in our hearts and in our life group because it matters because we're one, right? We deal with the stuffy nose when we have stuffy nose because it's annoying and it's frustrating. You would do something about it. The same is true when we have stuff in our heart. We do something about it. So we ask God to search our heart and he just spoke to her. And then we asked him, okay, so if those are the things, those are not true, 
I would remove those from my heart and replace them with the truth about, about her and then speak to my heart. And he so faithfully ministered to her, right? She was just talking to him and he replaced the lie of scarcity. Like, because she's something, I'm not that. Because she has that that's not available to me. And none of those things are true because in in this kingdom, there's abundance. There's more than enough for everyone. And my gift doesn't make your gift less. And your gift doesn't make mine less. And then we ask God to speak to, to her about how he sees her and then how he sees the girl. And he did. And it was like in this moment, there was like this, oh, I... Okay, you know, you just do that, like, like the relaxing, the like shoulder, like, oh my goodness, I just, I didn't have to hold on because I confessed one to another and I received healing from that small thing that had grown into a big thing. And I just felt like the most powerful, right? That is so powerful while sitting there like, like that was powerful, you know, because there's power and there was, that was very powerful. And then there was something that was said after that, the girl sitting next to her, she said, we finished, and she said, I can't sit here and watch that happen and not tell you that I have this feeling in my heart. And we did it again, you know? And we're not anything like, okay, God, search my heart. Teach me about this thing. Set us free from lies that we've been believing that are influencing our actions and causing sickness to grow in our life group. We didn't even know. It's not like we got together to talk about the sickness that was growing in our life group. We actually got together to celebrate some things. And he had work to do. He had work to do because he cares so deeply about getting rid of the sickness in our heart. Yeah, he cares really deeply about that. So we just, Ryan just has like three simple things because here's the thing, we're not professionals. We're just talking to him, you know, as the word says. And so it's Jay sitting here saying like, none of us are professionals. Like that's available for y'all to do in your life groups. It's available for y'all to do with your friends and your spouses. God, search my heart. So I don't know. Give us a simple way to do that. Yeah. uh, Before that, just... I think there's a lot... Jay, what you're talking about, of, of just this being a safe place, like, I think the scariest thing for most of us is the shame that we would feel to be exposed or the shame that we would feel to have a garden bed full of weeds and and how long it's been there too whether it's been there for a week or a decade Um, but I I think the the highest form of of healing over that is knowing that there's not one of those things not one of those the beliefs that we believe or roots that are super deep or really in there that is able to withstand the power of Jesus covering it and pulling it out and providing truth. And I think we think the healing process is going to take as long as it took for it to get bad and sour and hidden, but it, it's not. It's almost, I'm not saying healing is always immediate, but there is, God knows how to move through time with healing to make it just happen. And, uh, I just want you to know that more than anything, like he's capable of doing it with you. It's an invitation, really. It's like this this kind gardener not ridiculing you over, how long has this been here? Pull that out. Why is this not gone? He's saying, 
hey, I see something right here. Would, would you like to, to, to do this with me? Can we put the spade in the ground and can we just start digging and, and see where this goes? Like it's, it's a process to, to do with him. And so the, the first thing that I want us to learn to process this and do this together is, is just asking, um, let's just all close our eyes and do it right now, actually. Holy Spirit, you're here. You guide us into all truth. You know us more than we could possibly understand. Search our hearts, Lord. Okay. Father, would you reveal to me, all of us, how is it that I am thinking that is out of line with your heart? And the second question is this. God, what is the lie that I am believing? And then we say, Jesus, I confess that I believe this thing that is not true. I repent and turn. Thank you for dying for this very thing. Thank you for providing healing for this very thing, Lord. Holy Spirit, how do you want to pack out this thing with truth? What is it that you really believe? Jesus' name. And if, if there's something that comes up and you want to talk about this with anybody on the prayer team or a couple of us after, feel free. But, um, but yeah. Y'all want to continue in some worship? Is that good? Y'all want to go ahead and stand up with us and as you're processing and bringing it before him, we're just, we're just going to sing to him about who he is and who we are. Paul finishes 2 Corinthians 5, and I want to close with this. Here's what he finishes. He says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So neither will we. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Listen to this. This is our encouragement. Be reconciled to God. So if you feel like your account is in debt, I want to talk to you after this. Man, let's, let's get reconciled. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are sent as Christ's ambassadors with a message of credit, credit's available, credit's available. And y'all, we're balanced out. You've been handed the checkbook from heaven. Go help people, get reconciled. You're sent today, I love you. Father, thank you for your truth. Send us now, here we are. Lord, we're not in debt. We got credit from you. We got the message, the checkbook, Father, send us 
to those people in our life who maybe feel like they're debtors today. And Father, give us boldness to speak the truth and clearly. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, on your way out today, if you're brand new, I've got some gifts for you on the outside. Other than that, hug two people before you leave, and uh, we'll see you all next week.